Well, praise the Lord. I'm happy to be at Ladies Conference. While I'm getting myself together, if I could get some of you young girls, maybe maybe Angel and Izzy, maybe if you mind helping me right quick. And I don't know, Haley, I thought I saw you somewhere. You mind helping me just a second? I want you to give every lady in this room one of those bags. Just go up and down the aisles. And if you would, just hold your bag and kind of put it aside to a safe place. And um, I think that's good for now. I'll put some more up here. In case somebody comes in late or you didn't get a bag or yours tore, your kid took it, something like that. Well, praise the Lord. I, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled to be here, Sister White. I just want to thank you so much. You know, a few years ago, she asked me to speak my very first ladies' conference. This at the time right now is my sixth. Sister White, I never dreamed that me, a little nobody from the middle of nowhere, would stand and speak at ladies' conferences. But I, I want to tell you, I appreciate you for seeing that in me. And giving me a chance and letting that develop in me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I um, am going to do something. Oh, yeah. For all of you who have never met me, I'm going to answer the one question that is burning in your soul. The accent is from South Mississippi. <laughs> Everywhere I go, people stop me immediately and say, where are you from? And I have to say, South Mississippi. We were in Kentucky recently, North Kentucky, like near Ohio. And the waitress came out and took our order, and she asked my little boy, what do you want to drink? He said, sweet tea. She said, can you say that again? He said, sweet tea. She said, hold on a second. She went to the back and came back with more waitresses. And she said, now get him to say it again. He said, sweet tea. <laughs> so apparently people like it, <laughs> but that's okay. It's all the more reason to tell people, like, hey, I'm from nowhere. I'm nobody. I really shouldn't even be here. But God, he opens the door. Thank you. Did everybody get a bag? All right. Just put it in a safe place. I'll need you to refer back to it later. I'm going to do something. I've always wanted to do it, and because I'm Southern, it's one of my favorites. But I'm going to sing a song a cappella, and it's one of my favorite songs, and I go back to it from time to time, and I'll even come to it in prayer, Sister White, and just sing it out to myself. It's the old song, It Is Well. So y'all just worship with me. Let me get a sip of water. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, 
Thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my like me who really wasn't that bad before as a child didn't mean a whole lot to ask for forgiveness I just knew I was without God and I didn't really just have enemies in my life because I've just been given I've been given a very blessed life and I'm thankful for it but I just haven't come across being taught forgiveness So thank you, Sister White. Thank you for asking me to do this because while I was studying, I learned something. Never in my life have I prayed. I said, you know, God, I want these people to forgive me if I did this. I've went to people and I've said, I'm sorry. I've taken the high road even when I wasn't wrong. But never in my life have I prayed and said, God, I forgive this. Or I forgive them But I did the other night lay it in my bed. Just I felt the need to call it out. And I wept. And I could stay on one thing for so long. I wept. It just, I could feel it pulling out of me. I could feel it emptying out of me. And I wept. So I just want to say, I pray with all my heart, you receive this in your spirit. 
the same way that I have because it's been a very powerful thing for me. Also, because I have not come across much teaching of this topic, it's pretty raw. (laughs) But I believe the Lord spoke to me in the study that, that I would speak this again. Because this is, this is the last day stuff, Sister White. It's time to get rid of all the distractions. And I, I just pray you receive it tonight. So if you'll stand with me, I'm going to go to the Word. For me, I've heard this passage of Scripture many times. And I go back to it a lot because there's so many different things you can speak out of it. There's so many things you can glean from out of this one little passage of Scripture. But all year long, this has just been a little update right quick. My husband and I are full-time evangelizing. And I believe we've probably only been home since November for about two weeks at the most, all together. And it's just a blessing because we get somewhere and one door will open another door, and it'll open another door, and it'll open another door. And it's just been endless, and it's been, it's been powerful to see God working in our lives so all year I've been kind of saying, I've just been seeing people just from nowhere come up to us and just hand money, just amounts you wouldn't think anybody would hand to a family of five. And it, it's just been something in my heart. It's just like, I just say, it's, it's a great pot this year. It's a great pot. God is doing a big thing, so we need a great pot to hold it all. But then he took me in different directions, Sister White. In the study of this, I just would study, and I was like, okay, what's all the scriptures on forgiveness and unforgiveness? And he'd say, a great pot. Go read it, a great pot. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 38. And I may blow your mind with my perspective on this and my little point of view, but just so you know, I'm from South Mississippi. You can blame it on that. All right. And Elijah came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou men of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal, and he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. So I know every message you've ever heard using this passage of Scripture is going through your head right now, and you're going, what way are we going with this tonight? But for some reason, when I read it this time, it's like I just went into a vision or something. I, I was the person all of a sudden that was told to, to sit on the great pot. And all of a sudden, I was the person that was told to go into the field and gather up these things, these vines, these gourds. And while I was working, I grabbed a hold of something I didn't know I grabbed a hold of. So much so that when I went to speak to the people and feed the people, 
my poison spit out on them. And there was death in what I was saying. I just want to explain this. If you ever ate anything bitter, it may not have done you any bad, but there's a taste just kind of sticks around. And it doesn't go anywhere. And like hours later, you're like, I still taste that. Somebody give me something to drink. I can't get rid of it. That's an aftertaste. So I want to talk to you tonight from this thought, the aftertaste. If you would, just lay your Bibles aside. I want you to lift a hand to heaven and lay one on your heart. And I pray that this will be received by everyone and yourself. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight, God. I ask that you would just move among this place, God. Lord, let every heart be touched, every mind be touched. Lord, let me deliver it the way you gave it to me, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The aftertaste. You may be seated. Aftertaste, spiritually speaking, I believe, Sister White, is unforgiveness. It's something that maybe you had a little dealings with and that moment happened and it hurts you and you go on and it's in the past. But yet, when you're talking to somebody years down the road or moments down the road or in situations down the road, it comes up again. And it comes up in the form of, well, I just, let me tell you. It comes out snappy. It comes out in a reaction that you don't even think, I didn't know that was in there, but it was there. And I'm sorry, it just came out. Unforgiveness I have found, and I had to go through my own heart and find the things that I hadn't forgiven. I do have a a large one in my life that I'm going to tell you about in a little bit. But I have found that unforgiveness is like having cancer in the body but no traceable source. No, no tumor that can be found. I, we don't know where it's coming from. Or like a storm, tornadoes, wind and rain, but the sun is shining. It just doesn't make sense because unforgiveness is its own destruction. I have notes here. I'm going to use them. <laughs> in this kingdom... Every person in this kingdom, whether you come in and you're just a good saint of the church or you have a work to do, every person is going to come up face to face with the opportunity to get offended, the option to get bitter, the option to fight with somebody or use words that hurt. You're going to come face to face with that. But I have found that it is absolutely crucial how you react. Unfortunately, I have found this to be true in my own life. There's not a rule book on how to react. When you, Sister White, like myself, when you lose a baby, there's no rule book that says you go to the Bible and say, okay, how do you act when you lose a baby? Or some of you women that may have lost a husband, there's no rule book that says, now how do you act when you become a widow? Or if divorce hits your family, now how do you act when you're a divorced person? There's not a rule book. But the Bible is very clear about watching out for bitterness and forgiving the other party. You know, there is a scripture in the Bible that talks about a root of bitterness. And it says to be careful lest a root of bitterness spring up. It's strange that a root could just spring up. But that's what bitterness is. It comes out of nowhere. And you will snap on the situation or the topic, 
before you even know it. And you'll be surprised. Where did that come from? It's unforgiveness. So many times we have situations that, yeah, maybe we know is a little bit of hurt to us. But we just kind of mow over the top of that root. Every time we go in prayer, we just kind of say, okay, now help me with this. Or I forgive them. I lay this down. But we're really not pulling up the root. Just mowing it, cutting it down. The root has to be pulled up. It has to be tossed. It has to be gotten rid of. Now, I said just a minute ago, there was a situation in my life. Y'all have to forgive me. I've not gotten sick, but something with the dry throat has been on me lately. But it doesn't matter. It's not going to stop anything. So, in my situation... I had, a, I had an extreme bitterness that I've only just gotten rid of as a 28, going on 29-year-old woman. Uh, there was a person in my life, probably the closest person that should be to any young woman in here. I just felt like my parents divorced, you know. It was my mom. Um, my parents divorced, and I was back and forth, custody, you know. I went through all of that from the time I was seven until I don't, I don't even know when. It was just for the rest of my life until I got married. And there was just a bitterness in me towards my mom. I know that's hard to say, like, you're supposed to have that close relationship with your mom. Moms and daughters are supposed to be like this. But I'd watch moms and daughters, and I would, I would know in my heart that I didn't have that. Now, I know she may, she may see this message. Me and Mom are in a completely different place right now. So that is not the case. We're both different women, and we are healed now. I thank God for it. But I missed a lot of years. Missed those teenage years, you know, because of a bitterness. A bitterness. You know, and I'll just briefly say it, it got to times where there were cops at the house, and or there was there was show out in public situations like school or church, and it just put an embarrassment in me, Sister White, where I clammed up, and it just it developed something in me where any time something embarrassing showed up, I clammed up, I ran and hid, I didn't confront things because I didn't want to, I didn't know how, I never did it right, and it just put a root in me. Sometime after my my second child was born, I quit talking to my mother for about three years. No conversation, no contact whatsoever. And there was one time I know her vehicle came up by me in town. And I just went on like I didn't even see her. That's just where I was with bitterness. I didn't hate anybody. But there was an absence of that closeness. There was an absence of that love. But here's the thing. I took it to prayer about starting about four or five years ago, and I'd pray every day. You got to help me, God, with this. You got to help me. I can't, I can't be in ministry with this on me. I can't talk to people about getting rid of things with this on me. Every day I'd go to it, and I'd say, okay, today just help me with it. And then I would pray also that he would surround my mother. He would, I'd pray a hedge of protection. I'd put the blood over, you know. And in that time, my mother was changing too. And she was becoming a different person. But it didn't occur to me that I was still praying for it every day. And you know, the other day, just the other day, when I was studying this topic, I got to thinking 
about the situation and all the times growing up, you know, that just, just, were so much to talk about. And it, it didn't make me mad and it didn't anger me. And I, I felt a love like I felt when I was a small child in a thunderstorm looking for my mama, you know. And it, I realized, God, I don't know the exact moment. I don't remember the fireworks. But I know right now, I, I know I'm healed. I know I am. And I said, but you know what, God? And I went to that scripture, Sister Smith, the one you said. I went to it, how he said, when you stand praying, forgive so that he can forgive you. And I thought, I'm working for you, and you can't even forgive me because... I hadn't forgave. So I began to speak it out. And I laid my mother's name on my prayer altar. And I said, of everything, God, I forgive. I forgive it. Because truth be told, my mother remarried. She remarried my stepdad for two months. That was it. He died in her arms of a massive heart attack. And you know what? There's no rule book for how to react, how to continue raising kids, how to continue working, how to continue to be the provider when you're grieving. I just believe she did the best she could. And I thank her for that because she always did teach me that the Lord is one. And there was one way and there was one baptism, there was one faith, and it was enough of a seed to get me to where I am today. And I said, I forgive it. I forgive everything. Everything that I ever used to be mad about, I forgive it. And I'm just thankful. Thank you so much. I'm grateful. I'm talking to me up here. I don't have fireworks for you, but I'm talking to me, something powerful to me. And after I wept, I can't tell you how I felt. I felt so light. I felt so free. Something I just, it was just a new experience for me. So I just began to go down the line. I said, okay, okay. I know such and such had a had a alt with me. I know this had a situation with me. Lord, I forgive it. I forgive it. I forgive it. Everything I could think of. If, if I ever maybe just upset anybody or maybe somebody came to me for advice and I gave them a scripture and it wasn't what they wanted to hear. Even that, I asked for forgiveness and I forgave them. Never had I spoken, I forgive the situation in my prayer. But it has made such a difference in me. You know, the verse proceeding in Mark eleven twenty five, when it tells you to, when you stand praying, forgive. The verse preceding that tells you, like, if whatever you believe, if you'll pray for it, if you ask it in my name, you'll have it. Well, I milk that verse. I believe that verse with everything. Me, just as a good apostolic girl, I tell people, you just go ask for it. You don't have it because you haven't asked. Go ask for it. But not even knowing, not even having the revelation that without forgiving, without releasing that thing that pains me, I've just, I've been amazed. I've been amazed at the root left untreated in me. How I just kind of mow it over, keep it groomed, but I don't pluck up that root. And you know, when you don't pay attention to the poison that's inside of you, the wind will start blowing and those seeds will start to scatter. And they'll land on things and, and they'll grow. And because this is spiritually speaking, supernaturally speaking, it doesn't exist in time. So it'll go generations and generations and generations. I don't want that for my children. 
I don't want that for my grandchildren. I don't know what I would do if my two daughters grew up and fell toward me the way I felt toward my mother. I don't know what I would do. I just thank God for showing me in time. Showing me in time. You know, talking generationally for a second, I want to take a side road. My grandmother... On my mother's side, my mother's mom. She recently passed away in October. And my grandmother is a mom to 11 kids. She had 11 children. And I do believe three of them were passed away. Three of them died in sin, full of bitterness, full of hate. Not wanting to speak to the other ones in their family. And there was only just a handful of the rest of them that were at my grandmother's funeral. The end of her life they couldn't even show up because of the bitterness, the hatred that showed up. I'm telling you, women of God, you better identify the generational curses in your family. You better identify what is generationally cursing you and your home and your family. And you better be the one to stop it and turn the tide because you're doing it for your children and your children. In the Bible, David was a good man. He pleased the Lord in everything he did. And because he followed the Lord, Solomon after him was even more blessed. But it can go just the other way. So here's the thing I had to figure out. The road of forgiveness to get you to your destiny where you're supposed to be is really more like a tightrope over lava. It's impossible almost. It just seems like, I, I don't know how to do it. How do you forgive? I, I don't get this. And the Lord began to show me things about focus. You know, he, he speaks words to you and then you say, okay, now teach me. Show me what you mean because I don't know. I need help. So he started teaching me about focus. How to focus myself in getting rid of that aftertaste, that unforgiveness in my heart. So, so how do you forgive? And then an old saying came to me, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. And I realized, you know, these burdens are so heavy because I'm trying to do it with my human ability. And I can't. And I got to have a supernatural God to help me forgive because I can't forgive because this thing is killing me. And I hate visiting that door, but I got to do it because it's obedience to the Word of God. When you find yourself being unable to do things because they supersede your human ability, then you got to go to the one who specializes in superseding human ability. And that is the Almighty God. Here recently, about last year, we come in contact with a couple. I would say they're in their 60s maybe. And uh, they, they're prayer warriors, and they were, they're just really in mind in my husband's corner. They just, they just stand for us, and they pray with us, and they just they love us. And you just you can't buy friends like that. It's a blessing to have. But uh, about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, you know, she had battled with cancer, and they had found that it had spread to the liver, the bones, you know, and it was aggressive, and it was just a matter of time. And we went to see him Sunday. She, she, she has passed away. She passed away earlier today, actually. We went to see them Sunday. And I walked in. Strangest thing, the Holy Ghost was there. In a dying woman's house, 
the Holy Ghost was there. And I looked out and I saw her on that hospice bed. The last time I saw her, she was encouraging me. And I looked out and I saw her, you know, just laying there, just a matter of time. And her husband shaking everybody's hand that come in, telling everybody he loved them and just appreciated them in this time. And we sat down and just so many people came in, so many people came in. And he sat down, he knelt in front of me and my husband, he said, just smiling, he said, y'all, y'all are preaching the word. Y'all are taking the gospel to the world. Y'all keep doing it. And I wish you could just see this image that I'm looking at, this man in front of me, encouraging me with a smile about the gospel, with his dying wife behind him. And this is all I could see. And I thought, you know, you don't have a different Holy Ghost than I have. But I want what you got. And that's when the Lord reminded me, focus. Focus. He's got his focus right. You know, there's an old song that says to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He said he, he's not worried about her. I'm going home soon. This world's wrapping up, he said. I'll see her again. Matthew 18 and 7 talks about woe unto those when offenses come. But they got to come. They got to come because there's a bigger purpose working in us. So these things that are coming to you to make you feel like forgiveness is completely impossible. If you'll allow it, it will work something greater in you. If you don't allow it and you allow unforgiveness to stay rooted in you, it'll become a distraction. And we are living in the last days. Everything that comes to you, no matter what, as a distraction is coming to take your soul. It is coming to take your life so that you don't leave this life saved. So that you don't leave here ready to meet Jesus, ready to go to heaven. We don't have time for that. We do not have time for that. Forgiveness is a must. When you feel like you're always held back, you're always up against the wall, you can't get something to break through, go back and think about the things. Go think about the things that have an aftertaste in your soul, in your spirit. Somebody said it perfectly. Sister Smith, I believe it was you. Oh, to be stirring a great pot and serving the Lord and feeding the people, and then make it to heaven to find you could not be forgiven because you did not forgive. I I can't even stand the thought. I want to share one more story. And while I'm sharing that, I want you to get your garbage bags ready. Get them ready. Get them open. Fan it out. I heard a story of a woman who was a Holocaust survivor. And she, you know, she was a devout woman of God. She loved the Lord. She served the Lord. And when she was taken and put in this concentration camp, they ridiculed her. They called her names. She said they made her do some of the most vile things. There was a time she remembers um, they made her become naked. And walk across the field in front of the guards while they laughed at her and ridiculed her. I couldn't imagine 
as a woman of God, being put through something like that. Well, just to make a long story short, she became, she was freed from that. She come out of that. She became a speaker, a motivational speaker. And she spoke all over the world. And she told that story. And she was talking about forgiveness. And as she was talking about, she said it was ironic. She was talking about those things you don't know are in your heart. But you just come upon them suddenly and you have to deal with them. And she noticed in the back there was a six foot tall man. Just he towered over everybody else that, that was there. And he stared at her. Even when she came down shaking hands, speaking to people, he was staring at her. And she finally made her way to the back of the, the room near the door where this man was. And he looked at her. He said, I wanted to come hear you speak. And he stuck out his hand. He said, I wanted to ask you to forgive me because I was one of the guards in the camp. And she said, instantly her body locked up and her spirit inside of her just fell. And this man saying, will you forgive me? There's a room full of people. She has to do something. And she stares and she said just to herself, she just kind of looked down and said, God, I cannot forgive this man. But you're powerful enough to help me do what I have to do. Help me forgive this man. And she said, just asking the Lord for help. She felt a weight lift off of her. And she began to shake that hand. She said, I do. I forgive you. And she says she left feeling better than she has ever felt before. And I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this. I want to open this up for just a moment. I want you to get in a private place. You can come to the altar. You can come over there. You can kneel in your seat. Get with yourself. Get with God. Kneel down if you want to. You can whisper. Nobody's asking you to say anything out loud. Because sometimes we've got to forgive ourselves. Sometimes we've done things that we can't get over and we've got to forgive ourselves. So if you don't want somebody to hear it, This is between you and God. But I want you to open that bag up. Go find you a place. Come to the altar. Sister Brown, I don't know where you are, but if you would, just come play us something softly. I want you to pull out these bitter roots. Pull out this unforgiveness. Pull out this lava that seems impossible to cross on this tiny tightrope. Pull it out. Put it in that bag. And when you have emptied yourself out and you've asked the Lord to help you forgive where you can't do it yourself, I want you to tie it up and put it in the trash can. And when you put it in the trash can and you leave, leave it. Leave it there. Plead the blood over it. I've already pled the blood over this service. I prayed a hedge. I've asked for angels. I've asked for help. I believe in this tonight because I'm telling you, we are in the last days. We can't be tripped up with distractions when there's a work to do. We can't be babysitting when we're too busy being babysat. We've got to move forward. We've got to handle these things. So if you would, find a spot, please. Speak everything into that bag. This isn't silly. This is for real. I don't know how I got in this place, God, but I'm here. I was just working in the field and I picked up a wild vine. I didn't even know it. 
I was trying to shred it into the pot, into the great pot. Thought it was a divine thing. I didn't even know. But God is divine. God is a help. Very present help in time of need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.